Alrighty, folks, we are back with another episode of Elite Edition. I'm Matt Priest, being joined, as always, by Nick Braxton. Nick, how are you doing today, sir? Not too bad myself. How about you? Not too shabby. I'm alive. I'm kicking over here. And um, last night we saw a lot of kicking on the programming. Yeah, kind of a little bit of kicking the can down the road on this one. Not the strongest showing of dynamite, but we'll get to it. And... Uh, yeah, this week, this week's gonna be be led by you, but yeah, your notes. Yeah. I I got a little lazy. I watched the program last night, but I was not a note taker. I was immersing myself as a as a fan in this episode of Dynamite. It is WrestleMania week. A lot of wrestling content. Probably not the week to have a uh, mediocre showing if you're AEW, and I'll say mediocre at best with my opinion. But uh, this was a, a week for them to really have a strong episode, and, and we're kind of on the same boat here where it was not a very strong episode. Yeah, definitely not one of my favorite episodes of Dynamite. Some good, some bad, some ugly here. So, all right, we'll get into it here in a second. Uh, did you catch any of the uh, the Hall of Fame or NXT? I have not yet caught any of that, but I'm being told that I, good thing I didn't watch NXT before AEW, or I might think even less of this show. I I did do that. I did watch NXT before I watched AEW, um, and uh, it may have jaded my opinion a little bit just because the matches. I mean, there was no storylines, or it's the culmination of all the storylines, so it's a little bit different format of a show. Um, but it was WrestleMania week. It's a big week. We had fans, real wrestling fans in attendance. It's exciting. WrestleMania weekend. Um, I'm excited for it. I didn't think I was really going to be, and I really wasn't until yesterday. I mean, watching AEW and NXT kind of got me pumped up for for WrestleMania, seeing fans and uh, the pageantry that WWE brings. So AEW, they they brought us Mike Tyson. We'll get into it here. Um, But they tried to step up their game a little bit at the last minute as well for this week. Yeah, counter-programming with Iron Mike Tyson. You also had a big... Six-man tag trio's main event for this card. So uh, a lot of things going on. Let's just dive right into it and and crack this one open. All right. Well, we started AEW Dynamite on April 7th. It was the inner circle arriving. They kind of look like badasses. They're the first time they really look like a cohesive unit. They look like rock stars. Back uh, in black. Back in black, what Jericho says later on. But, yeah, fancy car. They all had nice vehicles with them, all black. Vehicles were black with their wearings black, and uh, I kind of like the new look of the inner circle. Uh, it's very optimistic at the start of the show here. Yep. Uh, inner circles looked strong since they came back last week, and looking like a one cohesive unit, much much to the chagrin of the pinnacle, and they're looking like the inner circle of old, like back when Dynamite was in. The big old, uh, the arenas where we actually had five to 10,000 people. Yeah, 13 months ago, if you can believe it. So I can. Feels a little, <laughs> uh, some days it feels a lot longer. Some days it feels like it was just last week, but yeah. <laughs> so we go now to uh, the intro and we get out live and we're going to go into our first match right away with the, uh, our homegrown star, the hangman Adam Page. Going to kick things off. He hits the curtain first. He's going to be taking on Max Caster of the Acclaimed. Uh, Caster coming out second with his uh, rap. Um, 
I didn't put anything special there on the notes. I didn't think it was one of his finer raps. Was yeah, did you have any take on it? No, honestly, I I tuned in and I think I missed like the first minute and a half. And I thought my I had three DVRs in my house and the one that <laughs> the one that records dynamite wasn't connected to another one. So I was like, oh no, it's not taping. But it it was just not connected to that one. So I missed the first minute and a half. Uh, but Picked up right when this match started between Platinum Max Caster and Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, and I actually uh, noted here that it's, uh, Bowens was with 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 Caster, which we haven't seen him the last couple times we saw Caster on Dynamite. That is, and um, during yeah, the he, entrance, I put. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, actually, Anthony Bowens was with Max Caster on, I believe it was Elevation Dark on Monday night in a match against Colt Cabana's first time we saw him back since uh it's been a few weeks since he uh, was it a knee injury he has some kind of injury back in like january february it's, it's been a it's been a little bit going into the pay-per-view castro was riding solo and we haven't really seen much of him since uh the pay-per-view took place but I, my note here was actually i felt like bowen's dragged caster down a little bit here during the entrance it's almost like he doesn't know how to play uh sidekick without wrestling like as a manager type of role, Bowens looked lost, and that's a continuation I have in my notes here uh, throughout. But um, the match starts. Page hits a big boot, a shaky-looking big boot to start this thing, and right away their chemistry, I felt, was very shaky off the bat. Yeah, this match, not the, not the best showing out of either man. Uh, this match does serve its purpose of what will happen here. You I'm sure you'll explain, but not either man's finest outing. No, I'll, I'll get into the blow-by-blow blow then. So uh, you know, we get some quick action over to the corner, and it's just rapidly smashing the head to the corner, big boots in rapid fashion, and there's just no time for Caster to sell. It's all Paige. He's all over him. They've already lost me at this point. Their chemistry's off, their timing's off, and they're rushing everything. It's like if they just slow down, Instead of hitting his head in the buckle eight times in three seconds, maybe hit his time head in the buckle three times in three seconds. Maybe give him three kicks instead of 30 kicks. Uh, but Page was in control. He was all over Caster. A lot of just quick moves, suplexes, uh, fall away slam, going for some pins. Caster kicks out. He's overwhelmed by the offense. Powder's out of the ring. Page follows him, throws him into the barricade. Uh, Bowens kind of gets in the way here, gets a little bit of trash talk giving Caster a chance to get in the ring, hit a nice little baseball slide, uh, which knocked Page down. Looked like they're going to go to the heat spot there, but it's a little teaser as they get back in the ring. More reversals, and this was a, a theme throughout this match, is these guys have never wrestled before. They have no story coming in. It's not like there's, it's just, just a, a flat match. Um, they're really putting over that Page's climb back up the rankings on commentary. But, but Max Caster's going, he's hanging with Page, Page is outsmarting them. There's, it's just, at this point in the match, my note here is it feels like a sloppy, overcomplicated dance practice routine rather than a live go-time pro wrestling match. Yeah, my mental notes on this match had a lot to do with Anthony Bowens and the fact that he was, he interjected himself into the match multiple times. Mm -hmm. And after the first or second time, it's like, man, why has he not been tossed? Yes. The most logical thing in my mind <laughs> while I watched this match was, 
how can you give him so many opportunities to interfere and and not and it gets and it gets worse because like they're in the ring they're out of the ring there's more page there's more dives by page he hits like a flying uh lariat off the ropes then a flying lariat off the barricade he's just all over the place um i mean you've got page who's the top and then then i think this is where you get to the heat spot where He's got Caster in the ring. Paige is on the floor, and he's getting ready to crotch him on the post. Now, Paige, ultimate baby face, teasing the crotch, the, the pulls balls into the post spot. Caster pulls him in with the legs. I thought that was kind of out of place. Um, Caster that, pulls him in. Oh, go ahead. That, did that lead us into a pitcher-and-pitcher break, too, I believe? Just, this this <laughs> takes us there. Mental so, notes. So, Caster pulls him in. This referee, I think it was Rick Knox, he was terrible. He just stood there, watched that happen. He's still standing there watching this happen while Caster's trying to get his attention. Bowens grabs Paige, slams him into the barricade with his arm. So we go to our little uh, picture-in-picture break. Caster works it over for a few minutes, focused on the arm. It's all heat on the arm. Um, And then he goes right when we come back, come back from Adam Page. It's standard stuff at this point. Like, he goes through his typical comeback. And again, both these guys feel like they're going through the motions. There's no... There's no emotion here. There's no energy. It's just a, a comeback. An, a, a, again, I go. This is just a, like a practice routine match. They're not. They're not trying here. He gets a sidewalk slam on the apron. Then I notice why is this match still going on? We're approaching ten minutes. Um, it, and then uh, there's an awkward spot where Paige is up top. Caster goes for that springboard like superplex. He slips. Uh, Bowens, here's your Bowens trying to distract, getting too involved here. Um, these guys just need to slow down, do less moves, make the moves they do, look good, clean, and matter. Um, another distraction by Bowens. There's the Kimura spot. Page goes for the dead eye, and then here's I want to get your take on the boombox spot. I thought that was kind of an awkward. Yeah, it was like they're waiting on it, waiting on it, waiting on it, and then he finally slides it in. There was definitely some miscommunication there. Somebody, well, somebody, I would say Anthony Bowens looked a little out of place, uh, mistimed, and did not hit his mark when it comes to sliding in the the boombox. He slides it in. It sits there for a second. The ref watches it happen. Uh, Yeah, that was, that's, yeah. Rick Knox saw him slide it right in. It's like, why isn't it just over? Pretty much then, that that's the third or fourth time he's interjected himself. Yeah, then Paige gets the boombox. That's enough to distract Rick Knox to now go, oh, okay, I guess I should get this thing out of here. Um, and then uh, he slides in the chain. Bowen slides the chain into Max yes. Caster. Yep. And my note here is, he okay, so he gets in the chain. Caster blasts Hangman with the chain. Goes for the cover. I'm thinking, hey, you know what? This would be a good way to, to elevate Max Caster, getting a win over Adam Page here. But nope, Adam Page has got to kick out. And I threw my arms in the air like, okay. So obviously Adam Page is going over. You're giving him every finish in the book for Caster. You're just killing this kid. Um, and I guess I realized that I'm old now, Nick, because <laughs> we have guys that are clearly influenced by John Cena on TV doing John Cena finishes and spots with kickouts, I think the HBK influence era might be dead, and we're in the John Cena and that Eddie Guerrero era of guys really, like, making it to TV now. The ruthless aggression, kids. We're, uh, at, 
<laughs> yeah. are, are now on TV. I, I think that's where we're at. Yep. Well, <laughs> not the greatest John Cena impersonation uh, this evening. And you were talking about Caster and this the uh, the chain, and I thought at that point, man, he he's gonna pick up a win here and, and go over Adam Page, and I was surprised that I had that feeling, but they did a good job at, hey, he might win this match, uh, but nonetheless, Adam Page says, ah, ah that yeah, ain't so gonna he- happen. He kicks out. I'm ready to fast forward out of just pure disgust. Like, this guy kicks out of a chain to the mouth. Uh, but then he's able to roll out of the way the flying elbow, and he regains his consciousness really quickly because Adam Page is full speed in and out of the ring with, with some high spots. Uh, he ends up hitting a backflip where he lands next to Anthony Bowens, who falls over anyway. Uh, maybe touched him with, like, a hand. I don't, it, 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 it was not good. Then hops up, hits a nice nice buckshot lariat for the finish. But this is maybe the worst Adam Page match I've seen. Uh, Caster, I, I thought, had a lot of potential. He was growing on me. This is a step back for him. I'm not giving up on the guy yet. Still got a bright future, I think. But uh, this was way, oh, way too much. Way, way too much. Way, way, way too long. Um, and, and here's the difference. When you have a match that's like roughly 10 minutes that's competitive like this, is Adam Page is seen every week on Dynamite. He's winning. He's dominating matches. And, and, and Caster's not. Max Caster we've seen, I don't know, maybe five times this year on TV, on Dynamite. He's on Dark a lot. But they're hyping it up like Caster's a le- like he's 9-3 and three and Page is 9-0. and oh. But a lot of the fans that just watch the TV show, they haven't seen these nine wins out of Max Caster. So I get that you're trying to give him a competitive match, but I felt like they were giving him too much of a match here. Um, that's my opinion. Paige celebrates with some beers, gets some out to the fans, a uh, nice little salute yeah. to what he was doing before the pandemic. Yeah, I know you got Anthony Bones on the outside, and as a duo, you want to show these guys off. But just too much gaga on the outside from Bowens, too many interference spots. And again, yeah, not either man's best showing. Paige picks up the victory, uh, the match I guess, you know, it serves a purpose in showing, you know, Paige wins. Caster gets a little bit of a rub ski from Paige and putting on an all okay match, but uh, not what it could have been. Not no. what it should have been. Not at all. Then we go to the ring. Uh, we've got De- uh, Tony Schiavone calling out Death Triangle, bringing them out to the ring. Phoenix, Pac, and uh, Penta. Uh, he announces that they're going to get their tag team title shot. Next week. So we're already planting the seeds that are getting their title shot next week. Um, but before Pac can say anything, they get interrupted by Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. As well as Chris uh, Statlander. As well as Chris Statlander, yes. Um, Cassidy says a few words. Uh, I don't remember exactly what he said. I think he said, like, it's nice to see you guys, I believe. Yeah, he's, uh, he's referencing the fact that at last year's Revolution... He had a match matchup against Pac. It, that was really Orange Cassidy's coming out party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orange Cassidy did lose that match. And then on Dynamite, uh, Death Triangle took out Orange Cassidy. They beat the hell out of him. They showed highlights of, of, of this past history between the two. 
And that's when pretty much Trent picked up the mic and Dustin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, Chuck Taylor says a few words. Trent Trent pretty much just kind of says, like, hey, you know, the best friends are, are uh, back. Um, I think that's when Pac cut them off. And there was some weird, I don't know if it was Penta or Phoenix that, like, had like a crazy laugh and they started cutting a promo and they were, it, it, but then Pac got the mic anyway. They go a little bit back and forth. Uh, Pac says they have a lot of work to do before they get a title shot. If we're getting the best friends, um, I just felt like this was way out of place. Um, I know Trent says his piece about them being like, uh, they're back, the boys are back in town and we got an alien with us or whatever and they leave. But I felt like this would have been a segment to hype the tag team title match next week. It would have been a good chance to get Death Triangle over with a promo by saying, hey, the Young Bucks are having a lot of dissension right now. There's a lot of conflict with them and Kenny. We want our title shot next week. We're getting it. We're taking the belts. Like, make the Death Triangle look like a real threat. And then you could have cut to a little backstage segment with Alex Marvez, like separate related, but separate, where Marvis just says, hey, best friends, you were in the main event last week, you scored a big win, you know, what's next for you guys? And they could have alluded, did the same thing, but just let the focus of Death Triangle be on the tag team titles, and then maybe next week, or two weeks out, you pick up the best friends Death Triangle feud. It just seemed really weird that you've got a tag team title match that you're trying to promote, but you're already building a feud. Yeah, off. well, the problem is, and we'll see it uh, as the show progresses and what happens at the main event, the tag team titles are really secondary to what the Young Bucks storyline is now, right. the champion storyline. And yeah, the, there's just, there's too many, there's too much mixing of Death Triangle, Best Friends, and Young Bucks. Not in the sense that, like, the Best Friends and Young Bucks have any interaction. It's just too many... Too many chiefs, not enough Indians, type of situation where, right. yeah, and they're everybody's trying to get get there. Uh, it's all mixed up. And he doesn't know what to do. Like exactly. three eleven, <laughs> three eleven segment, we'll call it. But um, yeah, Nebraska's own. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was uh, like I said, like the focus could have been on the tag titles with Death Triangle. You still could have got the best friends in a separate thing right after this talking about they've got some unfinished business they want to take care of. But, hey, we're back. We got an alien. We're rested. We're recovering after the fight last week. Let the match next week happen with Death Triangle and Young Bucks, whatever comes out of it. Then insert best friends the following you know, two weeks out. They could have had the video package and kind of uh, uh, put some steam on them and, and Death Triangle, whether it's for the belts or not. But just felt like that would have been a, good, a missed opportunity. But – Nonetheless, we get to see old Uncle Urban uh, down there. He's the new Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer, talking to Mike Tyson. Uh, so good up, good, good on, uh, good on AEW to capitalize with two uh, mainstream stars, for lack of a better word. Yeah, they got got to give uh, the NFL rub there and the World Heavyweight Championship rub with uh, ex World Champ Mike Tyson. No doubt about it. And then we come back from break with uh, the inner circle. Inter, oh my God, the inner circle promo. Uh, Jericho and crew in tow. They look good, much like we saw at the top of the show, looking like stars. 
This and might Jer- be the best part of the evening right here. Is this is, I, I think here is Jericho cuts uh, a hell of a promo, flips some totally baby face here. Um, That's I, right, I baby. I didn't take a lot of notes on what he said because I was captivated by the promo to be sitting there taking notes while he was talking. Um, the other side of him saying they're back in black. Uh, he did mention uh, taking you know, some, some shots at each guy in the group. Um, he put a little focus about how MJF uh, was brought in. He had him under his wing, but he did it to have him under his thumb um, because he knows how good MJF is. He knows he's got such a bright future, uh, but MJF's not as good as he thinks he is. And this is where he kind of starts digging at MJF, calling him a mark, um, spitting oh, some facts max. here, calling oh, him a max. max. Yeah, about how he's always looking for approval on things he did. Uh, he takes some shots at Tully about being, uh, what did he say, the third-rate third member? String, yep. Yeah, third string, yeah. Yeah, third-string member of the Four Horsemen. Um, who's says FTR? he gets FTR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's FTR, mixes their names up. Good uh, yeah. And this is a, good, a great thing Jericho does. He doesn't necessarily cut FTR down. He builds them up and talking about how great of a tag team they are, yeah. but how they're just guys. Guy one, guy two. Yeah. Um, then talks about the potential that Spears has had for his whole career. For over 10 years, he's supposed to have been this next the star on the rise, but he's never seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good promo. And then we get to uh, what you called out last week, Nick, and I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, I uh, called it out last week. A little patsky on my own backski. But we're going to get that match we've been waiting for the first ever blood and guts, not necessarily between the two teams we thought it was going to be, but we get here a year later, Daly's place, Cinco de Mayo actually May 5th. So we have three more episodes of dynamite after this one until the live edition, the May 5th edition of dynamite. We're going to get the inner circle and the pinnacle in the first ever blood and guts match in AEW history. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they're rushing it up to the May 5th episode. Not let, I mean, after last week's brawl segment, I mean, you're not going to get much more heat than this feud already has, so it didn't make sense to go to the blood and guts. But I thought they'd at least try to stretch it out to double or nothing. Yeah. Um, based on what we're going to see later, I felt like that could have been safe for, like, again, with this whole feud, it's like the other feud, the other, the other program, a lot of their feuds right now just feel rushed. Um, like they could be taking place over several weeks of television, and they're cramming them all into one. Um, like this, like what we see later on, felt like that could have been a entirely different, uh, entirely different episodes angle for the same feud. Um, we go to commercial after this Jericho promo, which was great. I mean, it definitely that highlight of the show. Uh, to this point, and it might have been the best thing all night, even with whatever eight NXT was program counter programming with. But team matches were all good; they were all solid. Nothing was like outstanding. Nothing was even like mediocre. Everything was just good. And Jericho's promo was better than good. It was excellent. Um, but we go backstage. We come back to the commercial break. It's Christian talking to Dasha. Uh, he says well, he last gets an week. Offer. Yeah, he gets yeah. a little offer. He does get a little offer, yeah. He talked about last week's match with Kazarian, how long it took him to get there, and then uh, what's this little offer he gets? Well, we get Taz, the head of Team Taz, 
coming in talking about a little bit about their history together and he uh, extends an invitation to one Christian Cage to join Team Taz. Yeah, and then uh, you know Christian does obviously it doesn't seem like he's going to join right away, but Taz tells him to sleep on it and then Christian kind of agrees. Like, yeah, I guess I will. But uh, yeah, so- I mean it just just I don't know how I feel about Christian and Team Taz being being used together right now. Like the the whole offer to a to a team on Christian's what fourth weekend. Yeah, it's really Christian's been used real weird. He came in with all the hype from from uh, Paul White, who we haven't seen on Dynamite really since then. Uh, my apologies if you hear my dog in the background. He is outside and it's dark and he is barking and I have a window open. Real professional I am over here, but with Christian we haven't seen um, we haven't seen like that big moment. Like we felt like we were gonna get something with him and Kenny Omega teased one week, has him in reference, and he's just done these backstage things. And him and Kazarian have a hell of a match. Probably a little too long, but we talked about that last week, and now here he is with Team Taz. And I mean, him and Ricky Starks will have a great match. Uh, he'll teach Brian Cage how to slow down and tell a story and make all of the impressive things Brian Cage can do mean something. Um, so so I, I look forward to those matchups, but just he's uh, he's already f- just floating along in the yeah. AEW uh, limbo, which is not a good sign. And speaking of floating along, they try to do some cross-promotional material with our next matchup. We get some Godzilla versus Kong. You know how much, train. Yeah, you know how much I love King Kong versus Godzilla, right? <laughs> I know. I love me some King Kong versus Godzilla. I, I thought the movie was... Uh, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't as I, good as Skull Island. It wasn't as good as the other Godzilla movies. But I haven't seen it yet, but I'm referring to how many times old... And God bless the soul... Good old JR screwed up the uh, <laughs> the tie in here with Godzilla and Kong and Bear Country and Jung- Jungle Express. Well, let's just say they insulted Godzilla and King Kong by trying to compare this to that. Um, a lot of what I said about Paige and Caster can apply here way, yeah. way too much. Especially, Not- you brought up a weak boot in the Adam Page match and. This, you know, we actually gave some praise to Luchasaurus the other week on his hot tag that he took, and he took yeah. all of that praise and just said, stick it. He kicked yeah. that praise's leg right out of its leg and came in here <laughs> and had a terrible hot tag. It's oh, a terrible man. match from Go. I mean, it was sloppy from the start. They follow the same, like, format where they rush and get try to do as much, many kicks as they can, whether it be drop kicks or boots or whatever it is, and they rush to some kind of series of dives to the outside of the ring to get to a commercial break. It's like, let's get as much shine in as possible before the commercial. And it's the, it's like the AEW format. And unfortunately, it's what WWE's format for their TV was. And AEW, I don't feel like, was doing this for a while with their matches, especially when they were live, where it was like, hot, hot, shine, let's put the heat during the commercial break and come back. When you really, you could cut the entrances out for the commercial break. Like, I, I don't get it. The heat's yeah. such an important part of the match, and we it's, talked about it last week. Go ahead. A lot, of, a lot of the matches are seeming to fall into some sort of formulaic uh, process where, it, you know, if you watch WWE programming, I, I, I liken it to this where 
you know exactly when we're going to break uh, when you're watching Raw. Yep. Or SmackDown. And that's kind of what we're starting to feel like here on Dynamite. And that's not the feeling I want to get when I'm watching Dynamite. I don't want it to feel like my WWE stuff. Feel the same here. It's like, of course, we get all these dives. We get a lot of hot action. We're going to commercial break. Luchas Morris here. I put a great athlete, but he is not wrestling savvy. Um, right before we go to break, uh, actually, before I'm going to get into that, I actually put like a really thought, took a thought and took a note here. So I. Bear Country, much like Private Party was 17 months ago, and Top Flight, you know, roughly a year ago before them, these guys are not TV ready. And like when I say, when I've said that about the teams, what I mean by that is it's it's they don't have that big indie level experience where they even work like smaller TV performances. Like Private Party. Still had a lot of things they were working out. We watched it happen. Top Flight, still had things working out. Bear Country, these guys have a lot of hiccups in their game that they need to work out and get that TV ready. Much like MJF and Jungle Boy had TV experience on the Indies while they were young and inexperienced. MJF worked for MLW. Jungle Boy worked for Championship Wrestling in Hollywood. Darby Allen worked for Evolve and the WWN Network. Uh, we're going to see J.D. Drake later. I'll refer to that. But, like... Bear Country, I think, was just an indie team. Top yeah. flight, private party. Go ahead. Um, I think this is a, a problem with this is you get these guys that are in there. I think they all kind of need somebody to lead them. Yeah. And none of them are, are leaders themselves. If that, like, no offense to them, but I just you don't see that ring leader quality out of any of these guys and they're kind of lost and we saw that there's a couple Dude. botches in this match things yeah, the, didn't the, look crisp things didn't look solid and I, I don't know maybe too much for these two teams too early definitely like the spot the big spot was jungle like luchasaurus is getting beat up in a corner this was right before the commercial break so they did the dives they come in the ring Bear Country gets Luchasaurus in a corner, and they like, stops, tags in Jungle Boy for the spot. Jungle Boy jumps in for, like, a hurricanrana, gets caught by Bronson. Mm-hmm. Then Luchasaurus is going to jump off the top rope, and I think the spot's going to be Bronson. Catch him. Catch him, bomb, and a slam. Totally botched that. Like, he didn't catch Luchasaurus, just kind of bounced off, slam, dump, Jungle Boy, they go to commercial break. Now, this is on live TV. Like, this is this could have been a match they taped, but in – wrestling history pre-pandemic this is a match that they could have ran on a house show loop um and when i mean bear Worked country not being out. and not being tv ready that's where it's really exposed with like bear country they could have did this match on a friday saturday sunday worked those kinks out worked those spots that they think are going to go good out then when it gets to tv on wednesday hey we're not going to do the shit that didn't work friday and saturday but we'll do you know you, you figure the match out Hey, yeah, I'm all for guys trying things, but you get that's that's for dark. The, the places <laughs> to try it are, is not on Wednesday night on TNT. It, yes. That's when you need to have your most solid, crisp, crisp stuff out there, and not what it was from either team. Yeah, bowling shoe ugly. Bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> yes, I think Jr. says that. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> he got his bowling shoe ugly in, which is always a good cover-up uh, uh, that he always says. That, you know, I was bowling shoe ugly, but I loved it. Uh, there was your Luchasaurus hot tag when he came out of the picture and picture the, the format of the heat during the break. Um, I put a sloppy tornado DDT, a sloppy spine buster, 
a sloppy breakup of the pin with the slam. How about we have some more sloppy Joes? Um, Bear of extra sloppy for you. Extra sloppy. Bear Country creates a mega person. Uh, was curious to see what they were going to go to there, but because they're not established, I have no idea what the hell the mega person ends up doing. Jungle Boy kicks him in the knees, and then Luchasaurus just wins the match. I didn't notice Marco's stunt. I don't even know if he was there, so that's well, a good that's, thing. That's a positive for you. Very positive. Was he there? Yes. Yes, he was. So that's good. He didn't get involved with Bowens out there earlier and like that stuff. Like Marco just stayed in the background. Good for you, Marco. Hey, you did something right. Um, then we cut the QT Marshall. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the? Uh... No, I think we said more than enough. <laughs> I, I took my uh, my shots there. Then we go to QT Marshall. Um, you know, they're kind of they're like at the Nightmare Factory in the ring. He's got his uh, new crew with him. His hey, students. Get a nice little in- intro for Aaron Solo, uh, Anthony Agogo, and was it Camarado with him too? Yeah, Nick, Nick Camarado. So puts them all over. Talks about Aaron Solo, uh, referring to, I mean, he was just known as Bailey's boyfriend, um, like on the internet and stuff. So he kind of refers to that and says he's more than that. He's, he's a good up-and-coming talent. Nick Camarado's more than a body guy. Agogo's more than a boxer. Um, Ogogo talks here, which I was a little surprised by. Yeah, he get he gets the spotlight in this in this little uh, pre-tape. And uh, yeah, he says he's he says he's a star in the making. Uh, takes a shot at Americans, be that foreign heel, I guess, in the group. Which <laughs> it's like okay, here yes. we go. We got a foreign heel, but um, uh, then uh, then QT gets real serious. Um. It's his, it's his fucking factory. Was his, were his words there? They bleep it? and Yeah, the promo uh, was in the Nightmare Factory school, and it's not going to be the Nightmare Factory anymore. And if you were on social media over the last 24 hours, you may might have seen, you know, at the end of this promo, Colorado throws a bucket of blue paint on the Nightmare Factory logo, and now that wall has been painted over. It is called the factory. They, they basically rebranded this, this wrestling school uh on dynamite yeah well that's awesome i mean like i think this was a really good segment i have this was the second best thing on the show um but again it's a rushed angle kind of misplaced in the overline timeline of the aw universe if you will because i feel like this is just happening simultaneous with the inner circle pinnacle thing um and it's too little too similar for me there but uh it was definitely a show highlight, and I, I, I oh, to back to Tony Schiavone, who tongue and cheek. I'm sorry, you cut out. There. No, you cut out. Uh, I, I heard we're going back to Tony Schiavone. Is this uh, let me uh, mental notes because I didn't write anything. Is this Sting? Yeah. So he tongue and cheekly says he's gonna bring Sting out. Says it never gets old. And Tony, I'm sorry, I'm a big fan of yours, but yes, yes, it does get old, my friend. <laughs> um, uh, but, so Sting comes out for an interview. Yeah, uh, another Sting Shivani interview. Uh, you kind of know what you're gonna get here. Where this is all, this is like AEW's formula when it comes to Sting. Sting Tony Shivani interview altercation next week. A little more altercation. There's going to be some physicality. There's got to be some physicality soon, and I think we're going to get this match possibly a double or nothing. But, you know, here we go, Stingy and Shivani again. And once again, real quick, 
Well, the old snake man and Lance Archer cut off Sting and cut him down. Yeah, they cut him down. Lance Archer uh, gets on the stick. Like, Jake wasn't seen. I feel like he was, like, backstage talking. Um, and then Archer comes out, grabs the mic, uh, basically says he's tired of, like, took, like, almost a conspiracy theory type of thing. He's tired of the AEW agenda. He's in main events and goes away. Um, he's tired of it. Pay attention to him. Sting more or less says, yeah, you are a main eventer. You'll be in the main events. Um, it's his, you know, Archer, I think, says it's his time, not Sting's. Yeah, Sting's uh, t- telling Archer, you are a main eventer, but you got to prove it. You, yeah. You can, ha- you can have a main event match, but to be a true main eventer, you have to stay at that level at the ready. And Sting is pushing Archer uh, with his words, basically telling Archer, prove it. Let's go. You got to prove yeah. it. You, you're a madman. You're the murder hawk monster. You say all these things. You want to be the main event. Well, let's get your ass out there and be the main event. Yeah, and uh, weird cuts to other guys who were in the same position as Archer, where they're like, get start. They get started and stop one more so than the other with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page like hanging out yeah. in rafters. So it was like. I think the 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 story here the is supposed to be that they're up in the rafters like Sting of old, but their characters are much like Archer in the fact that they're overlooked and overlooked and yeah it was good you use had, of them yeah it the wires were all there but they weren't all connected. It's a that's, good that's, that's a good way, way to put, put this. Yeah, good way to put it. It's like a bulb out in the string of Christmas lights. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Sting's out there, and then did Darby Allen come out with Sting out there, or did they go to like a break and then Darby Allen comes no, out they, for his match they went, next? They went to a break, and then when they came back from commercial, JD Drake was already in the ring, and That's Darby right. made his interest, entrance, excuse me, with Sting. With Sting, yeah. So this is a theme of the night here, where a guy is out there on walks through the entrance. He's out there. Hey, I'm I'm here in front of you fans. I'm gonna go back to the entrance and come out. About 10, 15 minutes later, you just wait for me. So Sting does it here with Darby. That's what I thought happened. But then in my notes, I'm like, no way that they do that multiple times in one show. But yes, yes, they do. Uh, so Sting comes out with Darby and J.D. Drake. While J.D. Drake doesn't look like he's TV ready, based off what I was saying earlier, he doesn't have that in appearance. His experience with Evolve and WWN and, and working high spots, internet pay-per-view shows that are live. And he worked freelance out of Chicago He's working for shows with cameras and time limits and producers, so he has more TV type of wrestling experience than Bear Country and, as I mentioned, the, the other teams. Then, so and it pays off here. And yeah, he he looked like he was nervous early on, but he calmed himself down once the match got going, and they had a really solid match. Yeah, he looked a little nervous. I don't like the new gear they had him sporting. JD Drake in a big old singlet, uh, just. <sighs> Not not the look I'm looking for when it comes to J.D. Drake. I like the trunks and yeah. satin jacket look that he is known for. Uh, but, yeah, match. A little... I know these guys have history. They've worked with each other and evolved. Uh, not the best start, I would say. A little rocky. little yeah. feeling out type of process, you know, that they say in pro, pro wrestling. But... They picked it up and got moving, and this match picked up along with them. Yeah, it got to be a solid little match. Uh, I put rough start again, um, and this is where I was alluding to the nerves. J.D. Drake had the nerves trying to 
throw Darby Allen around early. Darby's using his usual evasive tactics, got cut off with a big chop. Out to the floor, J.D. Drake goes after him. Um, Darby hits his awesome little suicide dive that he always hits, which is always so impactful. Um, so they check the box of start a match, get to the floor, and dive within the first two minutes. We can check that cliche box off in the AEW match. Um, the Allen, Allen goes up top. Nemeth does a good job of distracting him, um, which then when Allen dives off, J.D. Drake hits him with a gnarly shot, like just bounces off J.D. Drake. Yeah. And Darby, Darby took a nasty bump on the floor. And that's kind of when this match settled down, it seemed, because then you had the moment where Sting came out. Sting, yeah, we don't see Sting. Like, I don't know if I just missed it, uh, but C- Cesar Benoni just winds up on the floor. And he, yeah. I'm assuming Sting took him out because after he's on the floor, you see Sting going after Nemeth. And what seemed like a marathon, Sting slowly chased uh, the Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth around the ring and up the old side ramp at Daly's place. But, man, that took quite some time. It, it took a while to get out of there. And they, uh, they go to commercial break coming off of that. And, and I, I like the use of that there. Get Sting out, get Nemeth out. Early on in the show, we saw the use of uh, Bowens out there too much, getting too involved. Now the focus, when we come back from commercial, and of course, J.D. Drake's going to put his heat on during the commercial, because why not? Um, but we got the picture-picture break, but it's putting the focus on the two talents in the ring and the TNT championship, and less on the interference from the outside. So I thought it was smart of them to, to get Sting and Nemeth out of there. Uh, I actually thought that was probably one of the, the highlights of the story of the match. Um we come back from the picture-in-picture break. J.D. Drake misses a Vader bomb, um, and Darby goes up to the floor. And it's a nice little cutoff spot as he throws him off the ropes and hits him with a nice lariat from the floor. A lot of good offense on the outside of the ring by J.D. Drake, uh, which is kind of fitting into the barroom brawling persona that he's trying to portray. Um, again, a very, very good spot on that lariat. was gnarly as well. Yeah, I don't mind these the uh, the, the grouping of Benoni, Nemeth, and J.D. Drake, it's giving these three guys something to do. Uh, on Dark Elevation, I think it was, either Dark or Dark Elevation, we had a little backstage promo between the three uh, where these guys are getting a chance to talk. I'll tell you right now, Nemeth is probably the best talker out of the three, oh, then yeah. J.D. Drake, and then I don't think Cesar Benoni really needs to talk. Uh, oh. If you hear him talk, you'll understand what my reasoning. But well, it, it's... It's like a classic faction kind of in a way. You got your underneath guys. You got your uh, your good looking charismatic guy in Nemeth. You've got your your muscle heater in uh, Cesar Bononi, and then JD Drake's like your tough guy. He's your enforcer. So I, 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 they don't look like they go together at all visually, but when you put the types of characters together, it, it works. And. Um, yeah, back to the action, and, and uh, this is where you can really start to see that these guys do have chemistry together. They have worked with each other before, especially when they get into like the trio woe spot, and J.D. Drake gets Darby Allen uh, in that trio woe and beats the hell out of him, hits him with a nice little cannonball spot, hits the Vader bomb, gets the two count, and this is where Darby Allen thrives because he's in that total underdog role. Uh, I was like, I was like, this match is getting good. Uh, that's my note here. Uh, yeah, Darby where- Allen was getting his ass kicked. Uh, a lot of chopping there by J.D. Drake, too. But yes. Darby's doing what he does best, selling and coming back from underneath. Yep, and Darby seizes his opportunity. Um, 
Jay Drake's going for another super superplex, so let's check the superplex box. Uh, we're two matches in, three matches in. All three have had a superplex uh, attempt in them. Um, Darby Allen gets the bite on the hands there, uh, or block counters by bite in the hand. Hits a nice code red right off the middle rope, real clean with a guy. JD Drake size, take that that clean was impressive, impressive. actually. And yeah, he quickly followed it up with the coffin drop from the other corner, and the uh, the victory retaining yeah. Darby Allen. And that's it's a solid win for Darby. Uh, good win for it there. Good showing for JD Drake. This match was, I don't know exactly how long it was, but it didn't feel like it was. Too, too long at all. It felt like it was right around, right around the time it needed to be. Um, and a good showing for J.D. Drake. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him in the future. Um, but right when you think Darby Allen wins and we're not going to get a post-match attack, they're like, oh, yeah, Darby Allen won, and he's gonna, we're going to get a proper send-off this segment. Nope, he gets attacked by Butcher Blade and Bunny on the stage. Yep, the House of Hardy, the Hardy family office coming out because, I don't know, was it announced – Shortly thereafter, that next week, we will be getting a TNT title match between Matt Hardy and Darby Allen. And I believe, is it not false count anywhere? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shivani, Shivani rattled something off like that. I'm like, what the hell? Well, this brawl's happening, and if you didn't have enough Sting, now you're going to get Sting again to run uh, the Hardy family office out of here with Dark Order in tow. Bunny, meanwhile, is over at the announcer table just screaming at the announcers to clear off the, the table. The plan was going to be to throw Darby to the table, I assume. Uh, but Dark Order, because they came out. Take Conti's right there. She attacks uh, the Bunny, and they start brawling. They have a match tonight. We're going to a commercial break. My note here says this is really good use of time. We're going to come back from commercial break. Take Conti and Allie are going to be in the ring. Match is going to be getting started. This this makes sense. I'm happy here, AEW. Yep. But we don't get that. We don't nope. get that at all. <laughs> like, no. They clear the stage. All right, we just had a brawl on the stage. Let's clear the stage. Let's come back from commercial. Alex Marvez, you're going to talk to Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, um, before Spits you can out get a word out, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get jumped by the pinnacle, and we're going to go right back off to that same stage with some more fighting on it. You guys beat the hell out of Chris Jericho. Um, get him in the ring. They had a spike pile driver. The pinnacle's pissed. Um, they cut to the inner, the inner circle of the locker room's uh, bolted shut, but I, maybe it was my my TV or a glare or something. It just looked like the door was closed. Yeah, I don't know if they had some sort of you know, key that just locked the door from the outside and you couldn't open the lock from the inside, but nonetheless, doors uh, force closed and the inner circle has to bust their way out. Yeah, so they're busting down the door. They cut back to the ring. Wardlow's setting up Jericho for a power bomb, like an awesome bomb, basically, is what it looked like they were going to do. Power bomb from the ring through the table on the floor. Yeah, let's not be ridiculous. Hit. Jericho's not going to be taking that bump. If that bump happens in this feud, it's probably going to be Sam and Guevara. <laughs> Well, it's the bump that, that started the feud. They threw him off the stage, through the table. They're trying to, to do some synonymous storytelling here out of just rushing everything. Let's at least try to make sense of it while we're rushing. Uh, but, no, let's get some music hitting. Let's get Iron Mike Tyson to come out here. Yes, um, the man that... The I've man got who, two sides, two, two takes on this here. Yeah, Iron Mike Tyson for the save, which is, you know, the last time we saw Iron Mike on TV, he was... Squaring up with Jericho, the man that he just came out to save. 
Yeah, you do the Tyson Jericho. Uh, it's like the Tyson Austin push and shove with uh, Mickey Gooch out there, looking like only he could. Where was that guy at? Uh, the Gooch. Which was Tyson's entourage? Vitor Belfort. I mean, come on, Rashad Evans. I, mean, I was willing to Tyson Evans all but nonetheless, it's just Mike Tyson. Um, here's my two takes. So, so Mike Tyson comes out. Say what happened. The uh, the inner the pinnacle. Powders out. Spears gets left behind. Tyson hits um, I mean, quick flurry of barrage of punches on him. Um, gets Spears down. Inner pinnacle pull him out. Dax actually takes a swing at Tyson from the floor. Kind of catches um, him. A inner little. circle hits the ring. <laughs> yeah, inner circle hits the ring behind it. Um, and then Jericho and Tyson shake hands. Um, so here's my two takes on it. One, if you're the pinnacle. And you've got this dude, and you're getting ready to powerbomb him, and music hits. And there's six of you out there, and one of Jericho. Take one is, yeah, Mike Tyson, 25 years ago, was the baddest man on the planet, but he's a 50-plus-year-old man. Why are six Mike, of you men scared of him? I don't see Iron Mike stopping a takedown. <laughs> I don't see him sprawling and, and getting his hips back and... and stopping a takedown if anybody just shoots in on a single or double leg uh so have somebody bite the bullet for you while while your big man tosses jericho instead of having them all powder um like at least have one guy charge and eat a right hand and like like that would have been a perfect perfect use of spears he goes to get tyson tyson's on the ramp he's in boom hits him with a right and Spears goes down like KO'd, and then the other guy's like, oh, shit, one punch. Took him out. Maybe we will powder and leave Jericho uh, behind. My other thing is, why the hell wouldn't you still just powerbomb him and then turn around to see who the hell's yeah. coming out? It just well, made the pinnacle look real. Like, last week the pinnacle got destroyed. This was an opportunity for them to look strong, and then they just get punked out again. And, yeah, they're heels, but their momentum is quickly getting sucked out of him here. Um, this would have been it would have been good to hit that spike pile driver, hit the power bomb and leave Jericho out. But you have Mike Tyson, you're forced to use him. The only time you use him is force with Jericho, so I get it. I don't I don't hate it, but I feel like this could have been done different point of the show, like earlier on. I I will let you talk with your take. I, feel like I don't I, I don't hate it either. Uh it was just Man, the last time we saw Iron Mike Tyson, he wanted to knock Jericho's ass out, and now yeah. we're here, and he want and he's saving him. So just not the greatest when it comes to continuity between the the story these guys were telling months ago. Uh, but you know, we get Iron Mike Tyson, we get Jericho, we get Babyface in our circle. So in a pro wrestling mindset, it makes some sort of sense. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Again one of those things where all the wires are there but they're not connecting <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and like i said earlier like you got a segment where the guys are in the ring then they go away and then they come back well jericho like you could have did the same thing with jericho and the uh inner circle were in the ring they cut the promo they left they went to a commercial after that when they came back with christian backstage you could have easily came back to jericho backstage uh with with marvez um and, uh, uh, I can see I can see the mindset, uh, the reasoning behind doing doing this, where you know these guys are not just the inner circle and the pinnacle 
but like we said with Tay Conti and the Bunny, these they're they're sprinkling them throughout the show as 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 if constant reminder, like oh these guys are on the show, these guys are here, uh, instead of doing it all at once and then moving on to the next thing. We're getting multiple, you know, we're seeing these people multiple times as opposed to, you know, oh they're one and done on TV for the evening. Yeah, uh, hopefully they got paid per segment in their contracts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we cut to, after all of this, we, we, we cut to a Britt Baker promo backstage uh, with Tony Schiavone. Uh, she asks for a title shot. Tony Schiavone tells her she's fourth in the rankings. Uh, Britt Baker says the rankings uh, should be based on ratings, TV ratings, that is, merchandise, sales, Basically, star power. Um, she says she needs to fix the broken system by getting her wins up on dark. No, uh, Britt Baker is the best thing happening in AW women's division. Uh, the promo, I, I liked it. It Britt does her heel thing. She justifies why she thinks, even though she's number four in the rankings, why she deserves a title shot. Makes perfect sense. Britt Baker, again. Two thumbs up, Britt Baker. Keep it up. But here we are another week. We're, what, now three weeks removed from their uh, that, that match, uh, the Lights Out match, and again, no Thunder Rosa. Um, Britt Baker did wrestle on Dark Elevation. He picked up a quick win uh, on Monday night, but, yeah, no Thunder Rosa. I mean, I don't know if it's some kind of NWA deal, but if that's the case, why would you have Thunder Rosa go over? Um, but that match never technically happened, Dave. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So then we come back with the women's match. We get Allie and Tate Conti. I guess we got to have their entrances. Uh, we could have done this coming out of the commercial break earlier, where it was could have had a nice start to it. But they do start hot with a nice with a with a brawl. So that makes sense. They didn't go like collar and elbow tie up after we saw them cats cat fighting earlier. Um, Hey, everybody needs an entrance, though, right? Uh, I put that joke in here. Allie had a, had a nice kick. It was an ugly T-bone suplex. A nice little kick again by Tay Conti, like a, a bicycle kick, face wash. Gets Allie to the floor, so guess what's going to happen? We're on the floor. We're going to get a spot on the floor, and we're going to go to commercial break with the baby face and the heel on the floor and the baby face in control. To my surprise, no dive, but hey, Tay Conti did slam her in the barricade and fire up so we go to the commercial commercial break um Allie takes over during the break but right when we come back from the break it's a uh, comeback time for take conti uh Allie cuts the comeback off with a super kick goes for a finishing move which i forgot what they're calling it the bunny down the rabbit down the rabbit hole, hole. yep and uh matt hardy the take Conti counters it. matt hardy jumps up in the apron randomly for some reason <laughs> uncalled for and then take into him. She moves out of the way. Uh, the bunny just about crashes into him. She pauses. Uh, take Conti hit a gory bomb, I think it was. Some kind of big impact move. Got a two count and then sold the shocked face for a really long time. Um, like she was completely blown away that Allie kicked out of her, her big move. Uh, that's something that's happened. Every match is at WrestleMania, and every false finish doesn't need this oversell. I don't know if you know the spot I'm talking about. Oh, uh, this match, 
was a good outing by both women. Uh, but again, Tay Conti keeps keeps it on, keeps rolling. I guess I should say here. She's picking up win after win. She does get the victory in this match with the. I believe she could pick it up with the DDT. Is that what they're calling yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what she she did win with. But yeah, that, that the fault the spot I was referring to is like she hit like I think it was a gory bomb, got the two count, and then she sat there for like twenty seconds with the shocked face. Getting it's killing the false finish. Sheeta got involved. I don't even know where Sheeta came from. <laughs> Sheeta came out with. Uh, she was out there at the top of the the ramp with the Dark Order uh, at the beginning of this match too. So that well, yeah, just weird. But <laughs> Kendo Stick came into play for Allie. Sheeta took it back, or Bunny. Like you gotta, you gotta stop calling her Allie. And then the finish happened uh, with the DDT. I think she hit a superplex as well. She did. She did a superplex. So we can check that box um, and uh, hit finish for the win. But they got the chaos with the Matt in the Dark Order. They got the brawl there. They hit the girls there. Was Vicky and, and Nyla were nowhere to be seen. Sheeta got involved. They they put a lot, a lot of people out there for this segment. And the match was what it was. It was fine. Nothing special. Yep. Taste stays on a roll. She's still the number one contender. Picks up another uh, quality win over Bunny. Bunny has a decent showing, so... This continues the Dark Order House of Hardy, the Hardy Family Office storyline. So, yeah, I have some more Sloppy Joes I have here again as a note. Then <laughs> um, we get a rundown for next week's show. Falls Count Anywhere gets announced then for Darby and Matt Hardy. Uh, I think they announced it earlier as just a match, but TNT Championship Falls Count Anywhere. Uh, the Bucks against Phoenix and Pac, a go go in ring debut. Uh, we get a little video package to hype up Jade Cargill and Red Velvet, which is a long time coming. And then we get uh, Dax Harwood against Chris Jericho with Mike Tyson as the guest enforcer. Yeah. So we get another Mike Tyson. They're going to give him the old two-for-one. He's in town. We'll have him on Dynamite Wednesday night, have him on Dynamite the next week because we're taping it the night after. So mm-hmm. good use of Mike Tyson. I mean – you know, like we said, he's, what, 55? He does look like he's in better shape than what we saw him back in uh, when he was appearing on Raw a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, nice to see Mike Tyson sprinkling that star power. Uh, see what happens next week. And, and I think that like that's a pretty loaded card compared to this week. Um, and I feel like they're, they're, they loaded it up because they're unopposed next week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first week where they don't have the NXT competition, which I honestly don't think is going to make that huge of a difference in the ratings live. Uh, maybe on the uh, the t- the seven day DVR rating might show yeah, that they get it quicker. But you think we you think we pop at over a million number next week or no? No, 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 no. Because they were what like like even with Shaq, they didn't get a million. They were what like nine hundred thirty thousand, right? Right. But, again, no NXT. I can see where lines were divided and people watch NXT live. and then it, So, we'll see. I don't I mean, think it's that big of an audience, though. I think it's maybe a hundred to 150,000 people that are that they might gain. Um, they might get over 800. If they get over, if they get over 850,000, I'll be surprised. Because they were at, like, I think they were right around 700,000 last week. 
Um, oh, and, the, do you remember what the last segment they got a million for was? Oh, man, it was before Christmas, wasn't it? Was it something, uh, was it Sting's Return, Winter's Coming, somewhere yeah, around there? Yeah, I believe it was Winter's Coming, yeah, it was right in that, um, right Time in that frame. realm. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's ever since the Shaq show, the ratings have been going down. NXTs have pretty much stayed right around that 550 to 650,000. But when they were unopposed, God, was it over the summer? Uh, I believe it was, maybe like last May. Like there was the NBA playoff, or they might, might Whenever there was like the NBA playoffs and you had like the NXT was getting moved to another night for some reason as well. Like NXT was doing shows on Tuesday. There was there's been five or six weeks where they've been unopposed and the, the rating on those weeks have only fluctuated about a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand people. Um so it's not like it's the first time they're going unopposed. I'll be shocked if it's over if they get a million, I'll be stunned. Uh, but if it's over eight hundred and fifty thousand, I'll be surprised. Uh, but I feel like they loaded that card up for it. I mean, you've got really three main events. Uh, Darby Allen and Matt Hardy could be the main event. The tag title match could be the main event. And then Jericho and Dax could be the main event. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the issues I see coming out of this show going into next week is the main event and the, how everything plays out here in the end wasn't as strong as what I want, what I think, Everybody as a whole wants, but again, another thing where we'll see how this plays out, but continue on with the show. Yeah, well, we're right there. We're main event time. It's uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers with Donnie Callis against John Moxley and the Young Bucks. They've been doing this storyline with the Bucks and Omega for a couple of weeks now. Um, Moxley's gotten involved. Eddie Kingston's hurt. Uh, I don't have too many notes on the play-by-play of this match uh i was pretty burnt out with the show at this point and this match i already knew was not going to kind of be my cup of tea i was really going to be relying on nick's notes here but unfortunately nick didn't take the note well, here, my mental <laughs> note is is this usually i like these matches i like spots i you know i like a lot of fat, uh, fast pace i i'm a buffet type of person i could have a fast-paced <laughs> match as one meal and then slow down over here uh but not the greatest outing, not what I expect out of these six guys. It was a really weird spot before the commercial where they did the dives to the floor. Uh, all of them, Boxley and the Bucks, did their dives. They slid in the ring to go to the commercial break. And Moxley, like when he's like the Bucks did their signature little thing, they're used to hitting the, the, the big high spot. And like when Moxley slid in the ring, he just kind of looked around. It almost looked like Moxley out of place a little bit <laughs> totally out of place and like he didn't give he hit some weird he hit fuck. some weird pose <laughs> he hit the weirdest pose it's like i'm just doing this because i'm like told to do a pose I'm, here i'm teaming with the box that's, <laughs> that's it like, and that's i i i chuckled at that moment made a note of that um again we go to like this just weird kind of heat uh we get a nick jackson hot tag which you know it it's always good yeah. Um, gets to do it there. And then we get to the weird spot of the match where Matt yeah. and Omega are in. And, like, Matt Hardy – or Matt Hardy. Matt is bumping Kenny Omega around, right? He, like, hits him with, like, a back body drop and, like, a hip toss. Hit, goes for a super kick, but Kenny ducks, so he DDTs him, right? And then he gets to go for another super kick, but he, like, doesn't want to do it. Yeah, he – <laughs> well, like – 
I guess the story they're trying to tell here is like Matt and Nick are showing mercy to Kenny, even though all this has been building up these past couple of weeks and there's this heat between all six guys here. And, and I just DDT'd him. Yeah. I, well, he just, you know, both of them, they've re- they're wrestling a whole match. You know, <laughs> not, let, let alone just a DDT. The whole match, the, the point right. of wrestling is to incapacitate your opponent to win, right? I mean, so did not like the execution of this story. And just, like, again, if you let, – let's just cut to the chase. The Bucks turn on Moxley. They yeah. side with Kenny. And right. I don't understand why you would wrestle for 15 minutes against this guy and do, you know, we got Nick Jackson doing the running kicks off, uh, you know, on the the apron, kicking Doc Gallo's head off. Matt's DDT and Kenny Omega, and then they're getting ready to set up for the, the BTE trigger. It's like, oh, no, we can't hit this move on, on Kenny. He's our friend. Right. We just well, DDT'd him. Why do you him? 15 minutes of kicking each other's head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like after they did, went for the super kick, it was like teasing it, it wasn't gonna do it. He's like crying. Like Nick actually speared Kenny Omega, like he speared him, and there was Nick, like a Nick, missile drop kick. And Nick, <laughs> Nick was, it was like Nick was ready to hit the BTE trigger, and then Matt was like, uh no, and then yeah. Nick's like, oh okay, no, right? Like Matt was being like, like a little bitch about it, and I'm like. <laughs> How about no for all of this? I don't right. like this. <laughs> so then Moxley tags in and then like overkill pushes the young bucks around this, and then yeah, just you guys need to hit trigger. And okay. then instead of hitting one paradigm shift and going for the pin, he's got to make. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I'm point, yeah. fucking done. I, my note here says I'm fucking done. This sucks. This is illogical. And then Caddy Kingston comes out to try to save the day. He gets his ass kicked. And you just know it's coming with the Bucks. Like, gonna, it was I, – I hated this. Yeah, they didn't hit their – it's like they didn't hit their uh, time here at the end because, as you know, we're supposed to be getting the old – everybody throwing the two sweet up in the air, and it was rushed. Uh, so as we get the dynamite and AEW trademarks thrown up on the screen as the show's, you know, going off air they finally kind of throw it up uh just not a great great execution here in the story again you know i when this match started i hit my time i was like it showed at like 9 42 i'm like okay we're gonna get a good 15 16 minute match with a little bit you know on the back end but no like <laughs> not a great story with the match not a great match just not the greatest outing for these six guys. No, and, and like you were saying at the end there, the vibe I kind of got was like Moxley pissed the Bucks off because they wanted because Moxley pissed the Bucks off, so then they end up like kicking Moxley because he pissed them off, and like reluctantly, like the you know Callus and the Omega and the Good Brothers, like they're concerned, they're trying to get over that they're concerned. Matt especially is trying to get over that he was concerned about Kenny Omega by saying, "Oh, are you okay?" After I just fucking DDT'd you and suplexed you and we're fucking you up, but are you okay, buddy? Um, and then it's like there was consoling as a friend, and then they didn't throw the two sweet up Gallows, Anderson, and Kenny did, but the Bucks went for hugs. They like brought in a group hug. Yeah, so like they 
they're still trying to convey me look like trying to be 100% unbiased here. They're trying to convey that they're like not on board with what's happening. They're just like the victims of the circumstances and their emotions got the better of them with John Moxley pushing the trigger too much. Uh, but Moxley doesn't need to be eating pins either. Like that's, it, it was just, I just thought this was just bad booking all the way around. Yeah. And even if Moxley's going to eat the pin, uh, don't have, I mean, Kenny Omega just took what? Three paradigm shifts. Right. Or two, and he was choking him out. He choked. Yeah. Well, I think he choked him. I think he hit the second one, put him in the choke, pulled him up to his feet. And that's when that's when they kicked him. He was gonna throw threw him into the next paradigm shift. Like he didn't just have the choke locked in. He like right. But also, irregardless, two paradigm shifts, uh, ten fifteen seconds in a choke, and (laughs) Kenny's up on his feet at the end. Like no, those are two big moves. It's just it's not strong suit, man. I, I that's that's why like Kenny Omega's done a fantastic job since he's kind of gone on his own, done this thing, supposed to Don Callis, but there are still those little things that don't make sense with them, and this was one of them. And the Bucks yeah. especially didn't make well, any sense. And well, the critiques we've had in the past few weeks with Dynamite, it's like they're packing too much into these segments. Yeah. And and this is this is a segment where you know if you got a five pound bag you don't want to put ten pounds of shit in it because it ain't gonna fit and it ain't gonna make sense and that's kind of what I got out of this one. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah, this was uh, this might it it has probably been a good like a good year. There was like a, a couple of those early pandemic episodes of Dynamite where you just felt underwhelmed. This wasn't a show where you felt underwhelmed. This was a show where I was like, this just show sucked. Like, I that was my take on it. I'm a little bit more critical of the show than you are, but I, I just, there was only the Jericho promo and the QT Marshall promo that I genuinely liked. Yeah, and the Darby Allen match. Yeah, it was it solid got, match, It got off yeah. the, the rocky start. It, it pulled its own, you know, its weight in the end. But not the strongest dynamite showing for sure. Like this is this is a C C minus show for me. Not something. This isn't an episode I'm gonna throw on for somebody to watch. And be like, hey, you should watch AEW. Yeah. Uh, Next week's show I feel is gonna be good though. The tape shows I seem to enjoy more than the lives and have for months. And they've got a good-looking lineup. Jericho and Dax should be awesome. Uh, yeah, the Bucks I mean, and Death the Triangle naked. should be awesome, but we'll see what they sprinkle into it. And yeah. then Matt Hardy and Darby and, and Matt Hardy, yeah. And then you've got a feud in Jade Cargill and Red Velvet that should blow off as well. So you have the elements for a really, really good show next week, plus a debuting guy in a Google your, your TV format. You've got debut. You've got a feud blow-off, potentially. You've got star power in Jericho and Matt Hardy wrestling in meaningful matches. And then you've got a big-time tag team title match. Like, it's a stacked show on paper, and it's taped, so it should be good. But hopefully they don't try to cram too much in. Yeah, I think it'll be a good show. It'll just be interesting to see how everything's edited and where everything is placed on the show and the flow of the show. So that's what we're going to be looking 
we look say we're more critical on those shows because they are taped uh but man realistically we should be more critical because this is a live product once this pandemic and everything you, you know gets reset and we're out and we're in the arenas and we've got thousands of fans out there that's what they really need to be working towards because it's it's coming up around the corner I and mean, we're going to see this weekend how many thousands of people in a stadium for a wrestling show for the first time in how long so let's let's get working towards our our live shows and the flow of those and and booking those a little better hmm? Yeah, yeah. You got a house show. Is it a Friday night, April 9th at Daly's Place? So that smart on them to get this house show in, get some get some of the talent that needs that live working show experience in. Um, hopefully they do that. I'm excited to see how AEW pulls that off. Uh, WrestleMania, big weekend there. But but really, there's a wherever WrestleMania is at, it's always known there's a there's a ton of indie shows. Um, outside of that and a good opportunity for a lot of people to get work in wrestling business and last year we didn't have that this year we have it to a far smaller degree but there's still a lot of good wrestling content out there and a lot of fans are going to be at these shows in tampa so yeah wrestlemania is going to have fifty thousand people over the two nights but gcw every show they're running is going to have a lot of fans so real interesting week to see all that taking place Daly's place in Jacksonville, which is what about a two and a half hour drive from Tampa, something like that. So it, it's good, smart on them as well to capitalize this weekend by running their first house show. I don't know what the ticket capacity is that they're selling for it, but they can at least should get. They'll have no problem having fans come into their yeah, Daly's and place. and the nice thing is, you know, yeah, we've had fans in Daly's place, but. Those fans are all local. They're all Jacksonville. They're, you know, you're getting the same crowd week in and week out, and now you're getting a bigger, more diverse crowd from around the country. Really, I don't know international when it comes to the pandemic and flying in or whatnot, but you're gonna get a different audience. And these guys who have been working in front of, you know, the same crowd week in and week out are gonna get a little bit of experience in front of a different crowd, which is always good. And what they need to be working on, because like I said, we're going to be hitting the road here, you know, soon. I think today they just announced some, some shows that were scheduled for June have gotten pushed back to, uh, I want to say August. So they're staying on the ball when it comes to the live shows on the road and keeping those dates updated. We're, working towards getting back to some normalcy here. So let's hope AEW gets back on the track to normalcy uh, and has a better outing next week. Definitely. And uh, to to your point there with the shows getting bumped back to August, it's interesting with the timeline because with Tony Khan um, being worth like $8 billion and his dad owning the Jacksonville Jaguars, there is a big push right now from the nfl to have all players be like i think it's going to be like 80 or 85 percent of the players vaccinated they're planning on many stadiums in certain areas being full for the full season and you know you're looking right in that august september type timeline uh i wouldn't be surprised if AEW was the first promotion where every wrestler was essentially vaccinated or 
the majority of the roster vaccinated um, to be able to do this this touring schedule just because they'll have the the assets to be able to do such a thing with the uh, NFL looking to do that with their players and the, them having a direct link to it right there. So they could hit the road before WWE in a sense. And uh, I think either company, whether it be AEW or WWE, has the means to vaccinate. It's it, But again, that is all up to the performers themselves and whether they, they feel the need to vaccinate or not. This isn't a political podcast, that's for sure. So no, hey, no, it's no, not. no, absolutely no. <laughs> yeah. No, so to each their own. Uh, I just, man, I can't wait to see this show in front of a different audience yeah. week in and week out. Because you go back and you watch some of those dynamites that were in arenas, and man, yeah, there's you know crowds are usually under ten thousand. But man, those people that are there are there because they they enjoy the product and they're they're thirsty for the product. And man, now they are just dehydrated for for the product. They are they need it. And I can't wait until Dynamite gets out of Daly's place. And Daly's place it. has Daly's place has been a blessing for AEW. It's it's been oh, absolutely it's great. But it's just. We're, I don't know. It's not like we're spinning the tires, but we've been here week in and week out, and it's like let's get this. Let's get some new scenery. It's like the impact zone. It's like yeah. become the impact zone. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's good for them to hit the road, but they were only in front of live crowds for five and a half months, five full months, um, October to March, and they've been in Daly's place for a year now. I mean, they had those couple shows. Around this time last year, out of uh, was the was it the Nightmare Factory? Yeah. play. So yep. it's been a full year of Daly's place. Um, hopefully this summer we do start to get them touring a little bit, mixing it up, and it'll be exciting to see what they do. Future is bright. Let's just let's just hope that they they can turn in some better better television shows um, over the next couple of weeks. But do you have anything else you wanted to close with? I know I I got my stuff out. No, I got pretty much everything I needed out. You know, I like, I don't know if you've listened to this podcast, you know how big of a fan of AEW I am, and it pains me sometimes. But you got to be truthful about the product. And Wednesday night, not the greatest outing, uh, an entertaining show, but nowhere near where the level of entertainment and storytelling that they've had in the past weeks. But and that's like. You know, they're a victim of their own success sometimes where they put yeah. out so, so much good product that, again, we all have to under, recognize and understand not every week is going to be a home run. There's going to be some stinkers, but man, when there's some stink, when there's too many stinkers on one episode in a two hour time frame, we got to tear it down. That's what we do here on the Elite Edition. So, no, and uh, 100% with you. Like, we could easily come out here and sing its praises and turn a blind eye to what, what wasn't good, but we're going to be honest. We're going to be authentic. Um, um, we're also going to try to provide alternatives as well. It's like, with us being wrestlers in the past and being behind uh, the booking sheet as well and commentators, we've done it all in this business. Nick's done every position. I've done every position that there is to do except really promote on, uh, on my end. I don't know if you ever promoted a show, 
but that's really the only thing we haven't done. <laughs> I don't ever want to do that. Yeah. But uh, like we've done everything else in some kind of sense. So yeah, we've never done it on this level. We're not put it saying that we should be on that level or anything of that by any means, but we do have experience in this world to offer a different perspective as well. Um, and our yeah. own personal takes just because something happened on a TV show doesn't mean that's the end all be all. And that's the way it had to be done. And exactly. we're here to offer a couple different alternatives. And if those alternatives, uh, you know, if we have to, take a few minutes to explain them that's one thing but if they are just glaring and something simple that could have been changed or fixed or you know pointed out like that's what we're here for that's what you guys are listening for a different perspective on something we all uh enjoy in dynamite yeah we love dynamite we love pro wrestling um and i mean every every role is uh is equally important and Justin Roberts had a much better week this week. A much better week out of Justin Roberts. Hey, yeah. You know, hey, this week you didn't complain about Marco or Justin Roberts. So I guess they did something, right? <laughs> yeah, we had some bad officiating. We had some decent, we had some bad announcements. There was some good and bad everywhere. We'll leave it at that. Thanks for joining us on this uh, edition of Elite Edition. Um, and we'll get you next week.